What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Spiritual Gangsters Podcast. This is a show for all the people who keep it 100% real, who've been through life able to turn their pain into purpose, for people who've struggled with faith, yet keep asking questions and seeking the truth. It's a show for us to share our thoughts, experiences, and stories, and know that we're not alone. For all the OGs who see through the world's BS, this is The Spiritual Gangsters. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to The Spiritual Gangsters podcast. It is me, Teresa, and I'm here with my very good friend in podcasting crime, the NY Patriot. What up, what what up? up? Yo, it feels like it's been forever since we've done a show, right? It has because my kids are home from yeah, school no, for no, summer no. and it's like my life has just gone to the shitter. Like I am the most a total honest, 180. <laughs> I'm the most honest mom in the game and I'm like this just fucking sucks, guys. Like <laughs> Hopefully they don't listen back to this like one day like 10 years from now and they're like my mom is so mean. <laughs> But they might have kids of their own when they're listening to it and be like, I get it. Maybe. Who knows? Put in the time capsule for the grandkids, you know? (laughs) Grandma was a real G. (laughs) Anyways, I'm really excited to be here. You know, it's been a while. And I feel like, you know, you actually, NY, have not plugged your stuff on this show in a long time. I'm sure a lot of the listeners know what's up. But just in case, you know, I think we got quite a bit of... um, New listeners through some of your videos are taking off lately yes, and stuff. So, you. you know, if you want to say what your other shows are, that would be awesome. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I have the NY Patriot show and I have the Occult Rejects. They're both available on uh, BitChute, Rumble, YouTube, and all major podcasts. And I think I'm supposedly, I'm going to be uh, going, I think, uh, Wednesdays at 2 o'clock, um, uh, you know, during the week. Uh, yeah, two, yeah Wednesday, sorry, Wednesday at 2 o'clock, <laughs> once a week. Yes. Once a week, I will be doing um, Freedom Radio, I think it's called. I totally forgot the name already. But I will be doing like some sort of internet radio once a week as well. Some That's some new thing. I sat down with Billy Ray Valentine on Zoom with some other guy, and they hooked up the program. So that's something new that's coming. Once a week, I'll be doing that as well, too. Very cool. That's Thank awesome. You. But yes. Yeah. Um, and I am pumped for our guests Um uh, you and I have both, I think, gone on their show, which is a very good show. I love it. I'm a big, big fan. Uh, we have Jacob and Jonathan from Cult of Conspiracy Podcast. What's up, guys? What's up? That dream. We're stoked to be here. Yes. <laughs> whenever, How you are guys, you? whenever you guys came on our show, it was an absolute hit. Yeah. The people loved it. We definitely got to get y'all back on. And um, I mean, because each one of you individually came on, and it was yeah. really cool. Uh, we went over some, like, just such a wide range of topics with the both of you, and I think our cult members love it. That's what we call our listeners is our cult members. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And so we've gone over, you know, we've been doing this for about three years now, like a little over, th- like, 315 episodes or something oh. at this point. Um, but one of the topics that, that we did, it was uh, around early May uh, earlier this year. Yeah. And it was a topic that, now, I, just a little backstory. I'm not a Christian. I don't yeah. identify as anything like that. I'm more of, you know, spiritual, I guess you can just say, right? Like, I just try and keep my mind open to, you know, just whatever comes. And I, I don't look down at all on anybody who who does, you know, identify with that 
that sort of religious uh, mindset. I get it. I should hope not, seeing as like you're sitting, <laughs> but whatever. Right, yeah. right. And obviously, so, I can't. Yeah, obviously, same for me. I wouldn't be podcasting with her. So. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but anyway, I was actually the one because I think Jacob and a couple of cult members probably brought up the idea of the Shroud of Turn and wanted us to go over it. And I was like, you know what? I never even heard of that. Let me look into it because I didn't grow up this way. I didn't know what this was. I actually, and I remember when I brought it up to you, like specifically, we were talking about it was off mic. Me and you were, it was one of those nights where we were hanging out like two hours after we were done shooting. And we were talking about religion and faith and history and where we draw the line between fiction and fantasy and all of those things. And I had brought up the Shroud of Turin. I remember seeing your face kind of like, the hell is that? But like, I had brought up multiple historical references to prove that Yeshua of Nazareth, AKA Jesus Christ, walked the earth. Like he was actual human being that walked the earth at one point. And so like we were talking about that. And I think that was the first time I actually ever mentioned it to you. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm trying to look for a new topic for the show. And this has always kind of been a thing in the back of my mind, like, Oh, that'd be a fun thing to do research on. And so I, I eventually started doing a little bit of research on it and I was absolutely mind blown at like all of the scientific research that has gone into this thing. Um, because personally, I'm like a bit of an idiot. Like I literally like slept my way through school. I didn't give two shits about nothing. I couldn't even but tell you what, say what you want, but he's honest to a fucking fault. Yeah, okay? I, I couldn't tell you what even a shroud was. I didn't know what that meant. Like that's how sick it is. Um, it so whenever I start doing research into this, I'm like, all right, I'm listening to this priest and he's like, you know, he's, he's devoted his life to um to researching this and then teaching it to other students and and trying to poke holes if there are holes to poke but most people who dive into this topic you know if you're being true to yourself and you're being true to the experiment it's impossible really to poke that many holes into it right and it just seems like the most like crazy wild and out there topic as far as like it being true, because how could it be? So right. many people have tried to, you know, uh, like say Jesus, oh, he was a fictional character. He wasn't real. And, you know, they, they try and bring up like all the Greek characters who he, who he came, you know. Oh, yeah. He's like, just like he's, Balder in the Nordic. And he was just like this. And he was like Amon Ra. And he was like that, 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 that. No, what is he it Zeus? What's that one? I forget that. That. I Zeus? What? Uh, they're like, oh, it's Zeus combined with this. I'm like, okay, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jesus means yeah, like yeah, that's Zeus or something Sorry, like that. Yeah. yeah. And and it's really crazy. And now we can save the whole topic for another day as far as where is the actual name Jesus come from. And I, I get want that. to do a deep dive with um, you on this so bad. You yeah, have no that idea. Would, that would be great. I mean, they do say that there's power in his name. And if there we're is. saying his name wrong, then what the fuck? No, no, no. Right? But we are saying a version of the name right because demons do, in fact, have to flee in the name of Jesus. It's a whole thing. The syllables, words have power. That's why. Look, we can do a whole deep dive on that another time. Anyway. Sure, anyway. sure. Um <laughs> So, you know, there I was, I was going down this whole rabbit hole and trying to understand and learn this whole shroud of turn and all the history, you know, from it. And I was like, my God. And like, I almost felt like for, for a fraction of a second, I was like, am I about to become a Christian? Oh shit. For a fraction of a second. It almost had me. It almost had me. I think you're going to find your own way to whatever faith you do finally decide on one day. And it's not going to be because I converted you. It's not going to be because of some show. 
it's going to be because you found your way to whatever that is. I know how that's going to end for you, but I'm waiting for you to get there yourself. I personally disagree, but that's fine. That, it's, but it's not, it's not because I have anything against it. No, it's yeah. just that I have my own way and I, I don't want to get into that. I want to get into the actual nitty gritty of this whole shroud of Let's turn go. because it's absolutely mind bending. Well, yeah, I'm very, very excited to hear about it. So just for people who are like brand new to the topic, can you briefly define what exactly it is? You know, what is, what is a shroud? No, I'm kidding. Right, but so, what exactly is it and why is it important, I guess? All right. So quick little TLDR about the Shroud of Turin. Okay. So if we're going off of, keep in mind, Jesus himself was a Jew, meaning that he like celebrated Hanukkah. He had a bar mitzvah. Like he, there was, there was certain Jewish rites that he was uh, that he lived by. One of those was burial rites. There is a whole proceeding to this, one of them being a death shroud. Okay. And there's multiple cultures around the world that use similar fashions of this. Uh, another popular one that you may or may not have seen, if you've ever seen Braveheart, uh, the scene where he is burying his wife in the very beginning of the movie, she is wearing the, the cloth sack that her body is in is a death shroud. So that is the all encompassing of what the actual shroud itself is. Now, the shroud of Torn itself has some conjecture around it. There's, of course, there's going to be people trying to disprove it. There's going to be people trying to say it's a fake, trying to say dot 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 all the stuff. There is actually two separate stories about the shroud of Torn, and it depends on which side of the aisle you believe on this. One of them made its surface around the time I think it was like 1463. Don't quote me on that. I knew it was the 15th century. And it made its appearance, and it was the face of Jesus on a cloth. However, every single rendition that anyone has ever seen of this looked more like a painting. Like, there was actual color, and he was white with blue eyes. So, like, right out, that's not the correct one. But there is a camp of people who get down with that jam. Whatever, not here to judge. The Shroud of Turin that everybody's actually going on and on and on and on about. Now, the actual historical authenticity stops at around 100 AD. Okay. Which is, that is par for the course. If you look at the time and place of when Jesus was killed, if you look at the tomb itself, how it was rolled back, what would have happened with the shroud? Keep in mind, the Christians went into hiding immediately after this because the Romans are trying to kill this whole new Christian. Uh, what was a, they were calling it a cult of Christ, right? The Christ God, the Christ cult. They were trying to wipe that out, and so were the Hebrews. So, of course, they took off. The shroud itself made its way to Antioch, and that's the, first, the next place that we actually see it resurface, which was another safe haven for Christians that were going by the wayward side. That's why the church of Antioch is so highly mentioned in the New Testament and why Paul made some. Anyway, so anyway, cut to, it makes its way to Constantinople, and there was a crusade that went down. Long story short, the Christians that were going to take back the Holy Land, there was a couple of crusades where along the way they actually stopped at Christian cities and pillaged them anyway because they didn't really care about the Holy Land. They were there for the loot and to, like, maybe save their soul. That was kind of, like, on the back burner. But, like, we're here for the gold. So, like, yeah, we could go all the way to Jerusalem. Yeah, but Constantinople's right here. And we have a stronger army than they do. And it's their word versus ours. So fucking pillage, boy. So here we go. And um, they took the shroud. It made its way to a French royal family. They sold it to an Italian royal family, the Savoys. And actually, you can look historically speaking. They used to give cuts of this, strips of the Shroud of Turin, away to royal people as gifts. What? 
Yes, there is actual, you could see the cut marks on the shroud itself. There's actual written documentation of like this uh, party, this banquet that they threw where these royals met and da da da, you know, bippity boppity. And as a parting gift, they would bestow upon them this holy blessing of a portion of the shroud of Torin. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh my God. Fucking psychopaths, man. Wow. But anyway, oh, yeah, yeah, this I mean, this story is so insane, dude, because it's like, OK, why are you literally cutting a like cutting pieces of it off, just giving it as gifts? And now I get See, it. Like if you're somebody who is a follower of Christ, like having that in your possession would be like greater than gold. Are right? you sure? Like, are you sure it just wasn't a Jew just selling it, though? No, it was confirmed a royal family. Confirmed a royal family of the French. They're like, yo, we can make some money. The Merchant of Venice. Mm. Actually, as a matter of fact, the French royal family is the ones that started doing this, and they got so pissed about it that the Pope excommunicated them both from the faith because of it. Yeah, so, yeah. They kind of wanted to cut ties with the whole shroud at that point because now they're ostracized from the church, and now all the royals are getting bitchy with them because they sold them pieces of Jesus. And, like, how dare you? It's like, you didn't say that when you opened the package, homie, but whatever. (laughs) So they decided to – I don't know if they sold it. Yes, they did. They sold it to the Italian family, the Savoys, who were in power up until 1946 at the end of World War II. And actually, it being in the hands of the Catholic Church as an organization only is a relatively new thing. I want to say that was in like 83, 85, 1983, when the Catholic Church actually cool. claimed and had legal ownership over it. Holy wow. shit. Yeah, I find that interesting, though, that Italy had it, though. That's, of course, Italy. So... <laughs> Now we talk about the shroud and it's on display, but there's a lot of conjecture about the markings on it. There's a lot of conjecture about the burn marks, about the the blood stains. There's a whole camp of people that believe that this may be a medieval cloth, but they believe that this was painted or it was doctored in some way or stained with something to give it the outline of Jesus. The blood stains, well, that could just be anybody's blood. They dribble, dribbled like it's whatever. They believe it's an art piece that was in turn used as a religious relic, which the Catholic church did multiple times throughout the entirety of the, well, the entirety of their whole life, but I would say predominantly during the middle ages. So like that checks out as a theory. However, they did soil samples, excuse me, soil samples that were found at the feet of this shroud and they are in fact indicative of the dirt that would be found on the streets of Jerusalem. They did uh, a dirt sample of the nose and of the face because they had different types of dirt on there than they were on the feet. And if you look at where Jesus walked and where he fell, it would make sense that somebody would fall on their knees and on their face into the dirt like that. So that also checked out. You look at the types of, uh, actually, they also did a study to find out that either A, this is a, uh, Jesus was AB blood type, mm-hmm. or or because of uh, the hemoglobins in blood, after so long, they actually start to des- deteriorate and they can give a false AB. So it's possible that he was some unknown blood type that we can't do anymore because the, the sample itself is too contaminated with literally oxidation, or Jesus was AB. Okay, wait. Just a quick interruption. Sorry to stop you on your train of thought. We did an episode, NY and I, on Eucharistic miracles. And in the Eucharistic miracles, so like when the host, like the bread and the wine became the body and blood of Jesus for reals, all those tests was AB. Yeah. AB blood. Interesting. Now that also kind of checks out here. Okay. Okay, so that's a lot of stuff. 
a little bit of the backstory uh, as far as the scientific evidence that may be trying to prove this to be a real thing. Um, so, so back in the day, um, to preserve the actual shroud itself, what they did, because it went through a lot of shit, like it, it was like uh, in a fire and then it went through a flood and people were touching it and ripping it. And anyway, to preserve the actual like authenticity, what they did was they added a layer of uh, cotton to it. Now, the, oh, no, that was a repair. They made a repair because of the fires. Right. Yeah, but yeah. It was a repair, but it was also to preserve it. Oh. Um, but because so the the actual shroud itself was 100 percent linen. And that was something that they always did back in the day. It was seen as That's like also very spiritual in the Hebrew religion. Same right. same concept as to why the Mormons have to wear linen undergarments. It's the same type of thing. But anyway. Yes. Oh. Yes. And so what happened was, is that, you know, they they kind of added that protective layer of cotton. Um, and uh, so really what happened was, is they were trying to figure out like, okay, is this the real thing or is it not? Like, is this like a, an, like an actual real artifact or is it more of like a, I don't know, some kind of dedication to whatever people's beliefs are. Um, and so what they did was, is that back in 1988, they actually took pieces of the shroud and they sent it out to three universities. I can never remember the name of the three universities. I know that one of them is the University of, uh, of Arizona, though. Um, but they sent it out to three universities to try and, you know, see, like, is there any way we can prove this to be real? Is there any way we can prove this to be fake? Whatever the case. Um, and they were going to be trying to do this carbon dating. And now the carbon dating that they, all three schools, now a, each one of the three schools that they sent it out to, they all came back with the carbon dating of something different. None of them were the same. Inconclusive across the board. Inconclusive. Oh. However, conclusively, they all dated back. This is around about the medieval times. This is like where they all dated back, which is what, what like 1100? Well, no, no, no. So they dated it back to the, around the 1500s, right? Which is when that second shroud also made its appearance. But- they trace it back to why the carbon all traced back to that time. There was a fire. Oh, so the carbon was from the fire. Not Can I you want to take it? Well, there's more to it than that. There, there's multiple there's, burns from multiple places, and some of them are indicative of pre-fire, as a matter of fact, because there is mosaics showing the shroud with the outline with the L-shaped burn marks. Now, there's a theory to say that this might have been a burn mark from like incense from a religious ceremony that was done once upon a time and just nobody mentioned it and everybody acted like it was original. But we do know that even the historical artistic precedents show specific burn marks pre big famous fire that led to all the other misconjecture. So there's, there's multiple levels to this and they have tried to debunk it every chance they get. Well, another thing that they were trying to do as a result, if you remember what I said earlier, that they added that layer of cotton to kind of use as a preventative, um, as a protectorant, a protectant. Yep. Um, <laughs> it's not a word it is now, bro. Fuck an idiot. Um, but anyway, so what they did was is that they, they added that cotton. Well, these people that, you know, were testing it in these labs and these universities, they didn't know that that's actually what happened. They thought that they were grabbing the original linen oh. of the actual shroud of Turin, the, the actual like cloth that, you know, went over Jesus. So whenever they saw the cotton, that's really what was throwing the, the dating off because oh. the dating was throwing it off because, um, you know, you got the cotton, which was later added. And then you got the linen, which was the original. And so whenever you combine the two and you carbon date it, it's going to throw you into some fucking weird date, like the medieval times. Right. Right. Now, yeah. good. 
Um, I was going to talk about the, the silver drips in that, which oh, go ahead. the burn marks. So there was a fire in France uh, at the uh, Chapel of Chambéry, which is whenever I told you the French, French royals owned it for a while, they had it on display here because where else would you house a religious relic? They had it in a glass case, but it was, uh, it was framed in silver, oh. um, which at the time silver was worth more than gold. So that's why that was. Anyway, so there was a fire at this cathedral and it burned down. And there was the the silver itself got so hot that it became molten. And there was eight spots where this molten silver dripped onto the actual shroud of Torin. These burn marks also the carbon dating, because you got to understand within its enclosure, a carbon thing like that, that is not normally there throws off the carbon for the entire shroud hypothetically. So in order for them to get a actual consistent across the board uh, sample, they, they would have had to do more research as to which section of the shroud to get the sample from. Instead, they didn't know any better, and they were just going for it. So some of them got, oh, well, this shows this carbon was from this time. No, 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 this is from this time. Well, no, this, because they're getting it literally from three different sources of carbon or new things being introduced to the original sample at three different times in history. Gotcha. Yes, yes, dude. It's so freaking insane. Uh, I do want to bring up another thing is, is that the crown of thorns, it does appear within the Shroud of Turin. Um, However, what they said was, is that uh, according to the actual Shroud of Turin, it was less of a crown of thorns and more of a helmet of thorns. Um, Because, uh, so it was, uh, I'm, I'm just trying to read off of what the, the notes that I had, but essentially what they're saying is, is that back then what happened was, is whenever they were picking this crown of thorns, this is not something that they typically did to everybody. Like right. to, to put you up on a cross and give you a crown of thorns. That's to say like double fuck you. Basically. Right. Like that's, that's essentially what that was. Well, they were mocking him for being the King of the Jews. Yeah. Right. Right. And so, um, but I do know that, uh, as far as the carbon dating goes and the, all the, the, uh, I, I don't even know what the term is. All of the 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 material, I guess, that they gathered from what would have been the crown of thorns in the actual shroud itself is that they noticed that it was probably live live thorns, like that they had just picked probably that day. And it said that um, they the reason they did that is because they didn't want something old. They wanted to make sure that this was strong enough to be able to pierce the skin. So they pick it fresh like that, and then they let it sit out for like a couple hours or whatever, and then they lay it on your head. And they say that those thorns were so sharp, it is comparable today to a 10-penny nail. So he had all these fucking things all over his head. See, the Bible even talks about it revealing his scalp because of how deep they went in with it. There's also evidence of the two spear marks on his side. One of them leaves a blood trail. One of them does not, which also indicates whenever he was actually, when he had perished and the Roman soldier stabbed him to make sure water poured forth, even though you can see the indication of a scar on the shroud itself. Yeah, that's really interesting. I also would be remiss if I did not add um, something the, uh, so Right now, we currently, we actually just got into a new studio. We were, like, filming it at my house, and now we're in a new studio, and it's because of a guest that we've had on our show, and she has actually her own metaphysical shop. And so in the back of her metaphysical shop, she had a lot of room, and she was like, well, why don't you just come build your studio here, and that way, you know, you actually have a place to go rather than just going to your house. And so we're very thankful to her, but she is somebody who is very open uh like very open uh, spiritually. 
And she's one of those people that um, has the capabilities of like remote viewing and astral traveling and stuff like that. Um, she actually came in here earlier today and she goes, Oh, what are you doing your show on? And I was like, Oh, we're actually doing it on the shroud of turn. I was like, you know what that is? And she goes, of course I know what that is. Of course. You did. <laughs> Aside and, from most people growing up in some sort of Christianity would know that too. Right. Right. Well, there's a backstory. I don't want to tell you, right, right, that, right, but right, right. anyway, um, but anyway, what she said was, and so I asked her, she was like, she was like, do you want me to, do you want me to go see like what, what that really was all about? And so, because she has this like astral travel and whether you believe in that or not, whatever, this is just kind of like a little extra fun. I still want to hear about it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So what <laughs> she believes throughout her remote viewing or astral traveling, what she believes is, is that not only was that crown or that helmet of thorns really just a, like a physical thing. She believes that inside of those thorns, they were almost like, um, like, in a weird way, and just stick with me. I know this sounds crazy. I but, we're getting off into um, it, aren't we? But she's saying that metaphysically within those thorns was almost like some kind of poison that would puncture your astral body, that punctured his astral body, so to say, so that he would, uh, so it would like, uh, kind of like jab wounds at his light body, so to oh. say. And so I was like, well, that, that sounds wild. But why would it be so wild? You think about all the witches of the old, right? They're able to like put hexes and people still now today can put hexes and put all these curses on you. And if you're able to attack somebody's light body, wouldn't that be like the ultimate demonic thing that somebody would do? Right. Although yeah, I do that with frequencies. That's possible though. I don't believe Jesus could have possibly had his soul. You were talking about the soul of Jesus Christ, the actual son of God incarnate. And you think some thorns are going to hurt his soul? It wasn't, I'm sorry, nah. but, it, but it wasn't like, it was like, um, I don't know. I don't want to get too far into that. It's very convoluted. Right. right. Um, but anyway, moving on, I just want to bring that up that she thinks that his astral body or his light body was actually punctured along with his physical body. Well, it could be punctured damage, but he would have been strong enough to withstand it perhaps. Right. Right. You know? Right. I mean, Obviously. it's like, you know, taking a stone with a slingshot and trying to hit Goliath, right? Like it probably wouldn't do too much unless you hit him in the right place. Yeah. Um, I've never heard of somebody using a physical object to hurt a spirit. Usually they would use a physical object to hurt your physical body. I'm not saying that it can't be done. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, curses are a thing. Hexes are a thing. Of course, cursed objects are a thing. A thousand percent. I've just, I guess, other than like in fiction or like in movies or something like that, have I heard of like, oh, this isn't just normal dagger. It's a cursed dagger and it'll, it'll kill you for good or something. I mean, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. That's some Night King stuff right there. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I, just, I just wanted to throw it out there. It's almost like some form of voodoo, I it's think. It's interesting. Okay, no, Wait, no, no. so it just reminded me, that little segue reminded me that um, I have the book upstairs, but I don't recall what it's called exactly. But um, I think it's a little prayer book I have. And the wounds that Jesus suffered during his passion, like how many lashes he was whipped, all the details of his passion were supposedly revealed to St. Bridget. Uh, if you guys have ever heard of that uh, in the 1300s. I don't it's know called, it's called the 15 prayers of St. Bridget. If you want to look it up later, nope. very interesting and way more severe than we've been shown in any film anywhere. 
very brutal. It's funny that you bring up the lashes. That's literally the next thing I was getting ready to talk Dude, about. Same. Well, well, I did it on purpose now because I projected into your brain. Um, so I do want to mark out that, and, and this is the shroud can back this up that, you know, going through the carbon dating and being able to see the actual lash marks on Jesus's body, where the blood would have came through or where the welts would have, you know, risen up on the, on the shroud itself. It said, um, at least scientific carbon dating will say this, that there was 360 lashes to Jesus's body, um, 240 lashes on the back and 120 on the front. And a fun little tidbit of information as far as those lashes go. So back then, this is what this is how they kind of did business. But back then, they would never whip you more than 39 times. They never whipped anything more than 39 times. They said that the only thing that would be able to be whipped more than 39 times, they only whipped their beasts or AKA animals because in, in order for somebody to receive or anything to receive those kind of lashes or that amount of lashing that you would have to be looked at like a dog. So he was whipped that many times. Somebody like the most anybody had ever received. I mean, at least in this congregation or whatever of people that they would only, they would only lash him 39 times and he got fucking three sixty. He got literally his ass whipped. Now, pause before anybody goes, because I know that there's probably some history buffs that listen and they're going to say, wait a minute. The Romans were known to be cruel. You're telling me that look, 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 yes, decimation was, in fact, a Roman law that was carried out on soldiers by soldiers where every 10th man would be beaten to death by the other night. Yes, it's a thing. Yes, there is multiple times in history where this happened. I'm not saying the Romans didn't have the capability to continue past their rules. I am saying that this was a this was a sentence carried out by Roman soldiers under the direction of a Roman governor, so it would have been done in a very specific methodical way. That's all I'm saying. This wasn't like they were crucifying Spartacus for going against the empire, okay? This was, the dude was harmless. The dude was blameless. Pontius Pilate came out and washed his hands, said, this dude is innocent. We're sure about this. So keep all of that in context. They beat this innocent man this far beyond their legal rights. Absolutely sick, man. Absolutely sick. Um, going back to what you were saying earlier, Jacob, um, as far as the traces of limestone and pollen and everything, they actually uh, they actually found too that you know within that shroud itself that not only were, were there traces of pollen and limestone dating back to that time, but it was traces of pollen and limestone dating back to that time and that exact place where those same exact traces of pollen and limestone would have been that many years ago. So it's not even that those things are, are there anymore today, but as far as like scientifically, they found that like, yo, this shit was around these exact things were around in that very specific spot on that very specific date. So it's pretty crazy how they, like, in my opinion, whenever I heard that, I'm like, okay, I hear about the lashes and I hear about the crown of thorns. But then whenever you hear like, yo, the dirt and the fucking pollen literally match, it's crazy, dude. And you can look at just the image itself and get a lot of information from it, especially if you look at it in the negative. That's usually the two images that everybody comes to mind. One is white with some like beige stains on it. And the other is a black with white protruding and I, I actually prefer the negative because you can see a lot more detail like for instance his left side of his face was more swollen than his right possible broken nose you could see how his hands were fixed and i've also heard the argument saying well he couldn't have been fixed that way what about rigor mortis 
Because, like, if he was crucified like this and died, wouldn't his body have been stuck like that? It's like, all right, real quick, a little, little anatomy lesson. Rigor mortis is temporary. Like, yes, it's a thing, but it's only for a few hours. Yep. Like, it's not like that. Ask any mortician ever. But Well, I actually well, have a little bit of research as far as the rigor mortis goes as well. Okay. Um, so, but before I get into that, I kind of got these all in order. I want, I want it to be kind of. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to jump on it. Like no, that. no. It's cool. It's cool. I'm happy you brought it up though. Um, okay. Circle so, back to that later. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll stick a pin in that one. Um, but I do want to go over about how there was like this rich and famous dude. I, I can't remember what his name is, but. Nicodemus? It's possible. I, I'm Wait, terrible time with names. Frame? Well, I'm about to get into it. Um, no, it's current. Like, oh, like oh, current okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's a Nicodemus. I'm like, that's from the Bible. How I old was thinking like the guy that, never, that took his body down and you're like, word, he's rich. Before. <laughs> that's why when you had that face, I was like, no, he, never mind. Oh, yeah, that's a biblical person. Yeah, it's like sorry. a fucking, like Ben Jones kind of name, you know? The, guy, I mean? the, the rich guy uh, selling the, the, the tour. <laughs> right. <laughs> so there, there's a rich guy currently. I guess this was back in the, uh, between, I don't know, within 10, 15 years ago. It wasn't that long ago. Oh, okay. Um, so there was a guy who was trying to prove this shroud of Turin to be an actual forgery. And he was like, I'm going to prove to the world once and for all, this shit is absolutely fake. And the Christians are out of their mind. He's, I don't know if he's an atheist, but he definitely wasn't a Christian. Bring it. Right. Um, and he was like, you know what? I'm going to do as much research as I possibly can. And I'm going to prove these people wrong, much like the flat earthers. I just want to throw that out there. Um, but what happened is, is that this guy went into so much research. He literally studied it for years and years. And he was like, he's like, basically, I, I have studied this so much that now he's so much a believer that he says that he is willing to set a $1 million bounty to anybody that can prove that it is not an original artifact. Just so, like the flat earthers will eventually c- like conform and be like, wait a minute, it makes sense now. As a matter of fact, I challenge you to tell me that it is flat. I can't wait for all of y'all to do that. No, 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 not the same thing because David yeah. Weiss out there, he's, he's actually still got the same yeah. back. David Weiss says, look, if you can prove to me that the earth it's is not globe. flat, I will yeah. give you one Bitcoin. Mm. Did you say three? I think it is up to three now. Three. Yeah, it's up to three Bitcoin yeah, yeah, yeah. now, which is, you know, like 50 grand nowadays. Or a little the word still stands. Nobody's proven it. Nobody's proven it. Right. Um, another fun little fact as far as like, how did the Flash, like how did his body actually get to that fucking like linen? Okay, it's this crazy. is the coolest yes. part, I think, honestly. Yes. Okay. This is the part Go. that absolutely blows my mind, especially as the the spiritual type person that I believe myself to be. Um, Cause the, the color itself is not a burn, right? It is not paint. It is not oil no. splotches, not even like sweat stains and, and skin oil. That is not what that yeah, so, is. So the image that we're seeing, it's not like a, all blood stains. No. There are. Now there are blood. There are for blood. sure. There but that, that outline, it's yes. not all blood. No. Yes. Okay. So they've, they've tested this. To try and see, like, to try and simulate it. I'm sure they found out this number with on a computer or something like that, right? Um, but in order to simulate it, they said, in order to recreate the flash of energy that exuded through the shroud, you would need a 33 trillion watt explosion of UV light. Like, that is asinine to even like 33 trillion imagine why you gotta be 33, 33 though exactly <laughs> why why indeed yep why not well you are, you already got honey in there that you mentioned before and constantinople is a huge huge spot for quetzalcoatl masons so absolutely you know. <laughs> 
But then well, there's, more, there's more numbers as far as the 33 goes. This is not the first mention of 33. Okay. Well, um, but also keep in mind, after that flash happened, they rolled back the stone and this shroud was folded where his body once was. It wasn't a flash and it was gone. It just stayed in one place. He, Jesus, once he had, you know, come back, he folded the shroud and left it where he was because in the Jewish tradition, when you go out to a restaurant or you go to eat or anything like that, if you're done with your meal and you're leaving, you leave your napkin on the plate however which way. If you're going to the bathroom real quick or you're going to bar to grab a drink, you fold your napkin and you leave it at your place. The waiter waiter doesn't come by and pick up your shit. Jesus folded the shroud before he dipped out and made his reappearance for 40 days. I'm going to throw that out. Not only did this crazy flash actually happen, not only is this shroud actually authenticated, but the man folded it and then dipped out, and they rolled the stone back as to, to find s- it this way. As to say, I'll be back. Essentially, And, yes. sorry well, to add, you know how he's referred to as, like, giving up his body was the bread of life. The meal wasn't done, yo. He wasn't done till he, he folded, folded it up. up. Yep. Oh, shit. There's <laughs> levels upon levels of why Man. things happened the way they did. Why Jesus was calm when the Roman soldiers took him because he knew what needed to happen. He knew the plan. He knew the game. He did. He did. Now we're going to get back to the rigor mortis. Let's go. Okay. There. okay, we're finally back to this beautiful pinpointed spot. <laughs> and it is absolutely insane, dude. Um, So... Another thing, this is through carbon dating. Now, first, I do want to make a little caveat as far as carbon dating goes. A lot of people say that it is a flawed science, and I'm here it is to fun. not even disagree with you. Right. I completely understand. However, to date in the scientific community, it is the best way of measuring any time that we currently have. Now, and maybe eventually that will evolve into something else, maybe better technology right. or whatever. But as far as measuring any date and time, carbon dating has been proven to, to, to show that it's the most accurate. As I say, we can only make the best decisions with the information we have at the time. Okay, that's all we can ever do. And all of the information as of now points to this. So um, as far as the, tar- the carbon dating goes, they found that... Jesus could not have been laying in that tomb for very long. Um, now, we all know the story about how he, you know, he, he rose again in three days or whatever on Easter. Or whatever. Um, or yeah. whatever, however it goes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but how they found it is, is that when they dated the blood within this turret, or within this shroud, rather, um, they found that no rigor mortis happened at all. It's not that, oh, it happened and then it got washed away. It's not that anything else. No, no, no. This shit never happened. Like there was no, there was no any kind of spewing coming from his mouth. He didn't defecate or whatever in, in the tomb itself. It would have shown up on the, on the shroud. Right. So what they had found was, is that uh, usually rigor mortis happens within the body anywhere between 30 and 36 hours. That's what they say as far as the body deteriorating and, and all that stuff goes. Um, so they, they estimate that he was in that tomb for no longer than 30 to 36 hours. This is where I bring up that number 33 again. What is the midway point of 30 and 36? I don't know. It's fucking 33. Okay. Fascinating. Um, It is fascinating. There's a lot of 33s. He died when he was 33. Um, You know, the 33 vertebrae in the body that, you know, uh, there's a lot. 
There's a lot. All the fun. There's whole fields of studies around that, actually. Mm, mm. Yes. And and so as far as, you know, him leaving with all the 33 trillion watts of uh, explosion of UV light, it is actually said, it's been rumored that, you know, all throughout time that whenever he actually left, that it was as if it was like a bolt of lightning. You can go back and you can check all of the historic literature. And that's what they believe that he left like it was a bolt of lightning. Well, that's pretty much like, you know, the closest thing we can come to 33 fucking trillion watts of UV light. That's, that's the, that's the thing that I can come up with. Right. I mean, so it's kind of crazy that, I don't know, man, like this whole story is just so out there. And then you get to people like the Pope, the fucking anti-Pope that Jacob likes to say. But look, you can take a good, pure message and pervert it for your own means. It doesn't mean that the message is wrong. It means that the person speaking on it is a shithead. Right. Mm. Well, you know, this guy, he's, um, he's the first, what is he again? Which one? Uh, Francis. Oh, he's the first Jesuit Pope. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of popes have kind of been on the fence as far as calling this an actual relic or an icon. Um, Francis, we all know that he, this guy is so corrupt. It's unreal. You hear him talk. Well, I mean, he speaks in a whole nother language, but when the translators and all that shit comes through, like this guy is completely against almost what all the other popes have been saying all along. I tell you like what. not even Catholic, honestly. Like what, is, honestly. Your, what is your yeah. deal, bro? <laughs> I bet this will be the last Pope. That's not European. I think they learned their lesson on this one. Well, Maybe. we'll see. Um, and I made it, I made you a ruined reference. it for all of Central America, all of Africa. They are not going to play this game a second time. I promise I you. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe an African Pope next. Who knows? Uh, okay. Okay. Hold, hold on. Hold, 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 hold on. Hold on. I, first off, would love to see it for so many reasons. But let's talk about the group of old white dudes that literally run the Catholic Church. They are having this many issues in this regard. You think they're going to go to Africa next? You got to have a black president and you got to have a black pope. Uh, I believe that. I First off, I agree with you. <laughs> Secondly, I believe that there would be so many Catholics legitimately rioting. No, I mean, I mean, you know what they said about I'm here for that too, though. I'm well, here for that, too. that. You know what they said I think about ready. Obama. I mean, what they said about Obama is that we won't get a black president until pigs fly, and then we had swine flu. So first off, who knows? He was half. Uh, Secondly, I mean, you know, swine flu was a thing that happened. So you know, right, right. Hey, who knows? Maybe we do in fact have a pope in the making that is currently in the in the Ethiopia right now, working his way up through his archbishopness. Right, he's gonna become a cardinal in the next little bit. It could totally be. I would love to see it. We'll see what oh, happens. Man, you have no idea how much I would love to see that. Well, if, the, also, if the papacy even lasts that long, it, that's a we'll very, see. very big if. Big yeah. bold underlined on that if for well, sure. We well, also know that there are several popes. There's the black pope, the, yeah. pope, the gray pope, and the red pope, or whatever the fuck. There's like all these different colors of the rainbow of Pope, which makes sense. Gandalf, <laughs> Ray, Gandalf the white, of course, of course. Yes, yes. But anyway, this current Pope, he yes. has declared that it is not an actual historic relic and that he is allowing Turin, wherever this, uh, wherever this shroud is um, in the, what Vatican is it called? Now. Or no, 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 no. No, it's, no, it's in, in a church in Turin in yeah. North yeah. Italy. Yeah. yeah, well, I thought it was a museum, but same thing. Um, so... Where this is at, the Pope says he told the people of 
the, the that are actually housing this shroud, he says, you can have it up just as long as the people know and you make it known. You can have it up as long as you make that you make it known that it is an icon and not a historic relic. Bro. <laughs> he is literally doing everything he can to just stir the pot. You believe the call. Nobody's even guy. benefiting from him doing that, by the way. It's been understood that it's real. No one's questioning it. It's like a dead issue, no pun intended. But, like, it, it's it's not even up for debate anymore. And he alone is like, yeah, I don't know about all that. Right. Yeah, it so might he, be fake. I don't know. <laughs> well, you got, like, the literal, like... You, you know, know I, I actually said that in the last episode that this Pope really reminded me from like the Pope from Little Nicky. Mm. You know what I mean? Or was, oh. <laughs> yeah, he's just fucking so corrupt. It's so insane. It's like he's in a, like a devil is like controlling his body. I think I might know why he hates it so much why or why that? he doesn't want it to be listed as a historical relic. Here's the deal. The Jesuit priests are the, uh, they are the educators. And they always have been. They are the knowledge knowers of everything Catholic. Very scientific. Very scientific. That's why there's Jesuit colleges. That's why there's Jesuit universities, schools, all of this. I think that because the Jesuits don't recognize it as historically fact because they weren't the ones to call it historically fact. Mm -hmm. I think that deep within his Jesuit self, he can't acknowledge that there was something out there that the Jesuits didn't know about. Maybe. I can keep it up, but it's not like history. It's possible. It's possible because I do want to throw this out there and maybe not a lot of people are aware of this, but it is actually documented that the, the, the shroud of Turin is the single most studied artifact in human history. There have been more man hours going into studying the, 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 the history, the science um, of everything as, as far as this shroud goes. And there's still like, so many people that are out there like saying, oh, no, it's it's fake because of this or it's fake because of that. It's like you fucking know it all. You don't really know shit because these people are still studying to this day. These people are still stumbling across all these crazy facts about, you know, how are these things possible? How could it be possible that, you know, the the uh, you know, the the uh, the limestone or or the pollen or the crown or the puncture wounds or where the blood was falling or anything, how it. And so I don't know. I feel like a lot of people will say a lot of people don't want to believe it because they don't want to believe in the possibility that the man was actually real. And I honestly, before I stumbled across this, I was the same way. I I thought that he was more of like an egregore, right? Like, let's just look at this guy as if like to say it's a story that is built up through time and all the energy and all the prayer and all the focus that was ever put on the story of this man has built it in to this thing that actually when you pray upon it, shit does happen. That was my previous belief, but actually going through this, I mean, I'm yeah. not saying that like the, the story surrounding him still couldn't be egregoric if that's a word, but the guy was actually real. Like in, in my opinion, after going through all this, research and everything and after seeing the shroud itself so actually um is it possible that i that i send you a picture or that or that you know we uh screen share to be able to show it yeah go for yeah, it yeah pull it up sure. I'll, I'll put it on the screen yeah there we go all right so right here what you're seeing is is that um as far as the the top one goes that actually is the the actual shroud of turn itself and if you look at these very specific uh, triangle marks in the very direct four corners in the very center. Those are the repair marks that were made. And you can see there's triangles at the top part and those, those parts. Those were repairs that were made for the purpose of preservation. 
Right, right. And so you can kind of see a lot of the the holes and the lashes uh, on some of these, on some of this. It's it's really hard to tell. You got to um, zoom in and you could see marks along the arms where the cat of nine tail struck them. And you could zoom in and see the cut marks. You have to know what you're looking for. We're not forensic scientists. And this, yeah. this wasn't a picture that highlighted those things specifically, but... There's tons of documentation on this. It is a Google search away. Well, what happened was is that there was this dude, and forgive me for not knowing the date. I can't remember when he actually did this, but there was a guy that came up with the idea of, all right, man, I really, like, I love this whole shroud, but is there a way to be able to get more clarity on it? And um, what he did was is that he's actually the guy who came up with the idea of, you know, transforming it into this photo negative, which is the picture you see on the bottom. Now the photo negative, there's obviously a lot more detail. And what that suggests is that, you know, the, the actual bolt of lightning that of Jesus going out, it's almost created this 3d image of what Jesus actually looks like. And so whenever you zoom in on the face, you can actually see that there's a deviated, deviated septum. You can see that the beard was plucked. You can see the actual, you know, the holes where the crown of thorns is. You can see the whole crown of thorns, actually, if you zoom in even more. And there's so many depictions that there's no way to duplicate this. Like this right here is insane. I guess they've actually tried to duplicate it yeah. um, by taking some kind of statue and showing it through the sunlight. But turns out, the the way that they did this because they actually tried to expose all this i think it was on the discovery channel or the history channel or mm -hmm. something like that and what they didn't tell you on that program on that documentary about the shroud was that the the image would have only stayed on that on that linen itself for like like a couple of hours like they couldn't get the image to stick right right and so that's that was another failed experiment so if this is a forgery then you have to understand that this is the best forgery in the history of mankind because they thought of literally everything down to the pollen samples that were native to Jerusalem circa 33 AD. Like, I mean, if this is a forgery, then this is a forgery beyond all measure. Well, wow. and I'm, I'm by no means a biblical scholar. Okay, I think we can all agree on that. But <laughs> what I will say is that there was actually um, one of the guys, what was the name of... Was it Matthew that actually walked into where the tomb was, and they and he saw that that Jesus was out of the tomb and that the shroud laid there? There was a. It depends on which gospel you're reading, and there's a reason for that. Well, anyway, I, I believe it was Matthew. I could be wrong, but let's just say that it was Matthew. Okay, it said that he said, "I see, I see, I see," three times mm -hmm. whenever he walked in there and saw. Whatever he saw, it doesn't actually go into detail as to what he specifically saw, but actually the translation, a lot of this meaning is lost in translation because uh, through scripture, it says that there, there was actually three different words in Hebrew for each English I see. Okay. So it's like, um, it's like trying to figure out how to say I see in three different ways in English. Right. So it wasn't all the same thing. So it was almost like, I see, I see, <gasps> I see, mm -hmm. you know, like, holy shit, this is real, dude. Yeah. And so I just wanted to bring that up because I thought that was pretty fascinating because what he saw or what he could have saw, um, you know, as far as like, you know, the just theories out there as far as this whole thing goes, is that maybe he saw that the actual, uh, the shroud itself, it was folded. Yeah. Maybe he saw that it wasn't just laying on the ground. 
maybe he saw, and we know that it wasn't laying on the ground in the first place, um, just as far as scripture goes. But right. um, the it was folded in the place where it was supposed to be. They saw that the lid of the tomb yeah. was slid, and and the and that it was just folded right there. It's just the craziest thing. So I just wanted to really bring up this whole shroud because it's kind of hard. You know, you see pictures of conspiracies, and some some people are like, ah, I don't know, that's a little bit far fetched. But whenever you zoom in on the fucking negative yeah. of yeah. this thing, it is absolutely like, my God, it can't be recre- recreated in 2023. But somebody did it, like supposedly in the medieval times. No way. So look, if you look on the left side of that blue line, that is the the face. Okay, yes. that is that side would be the uh, top half because this was folded at that blue line to go over the top half of his body. Along the back side, if you could actually scroll to the right, you could see lines of the lashes. Oh wow! And the small yeah. Past that line, all of those lines, those are blood spots. Those are those are lines of cut skin all the way down his legs, all the way down his arms. His arms are folded, uh, left hand over right hand, and you could see the mark in the wrist where the nail holes were, and there's blood to indicate that as well. You could see up his arms, up his shoulders, every spot where the cat of nine tails hit, lashed, everything. There's no way that this could be a forgery, and there's no, there's absolutely no way. And again, his this knees is not, are bent and everything in the picture because it's like... Right, and I also dude. want to point this out. This is not just a other crucifixion victim that they threw into this death shroud, threw into this tomb, and then, oh, boom, it's this. All right, I want to put this historical precedent out there as well. If you were being crucified, then you probably were not getting all of the proper religious rites of a Hebrew burial because for the Romans to crucify you, which was their worst method to kill you, their worst way to torture someone to death, which I think still stands today that it's, it's, if not the worst, it's in like the top three worst torturous ways to die slowly. Yes. If you had done a crime to warrant the Roman soldiers giving you this type of death, that crime probably 99.9% of the time also meant that you broke some sort of Hebrew law. Just going to throw that one out. Now, not always. There are very few, but there are some cases of crucifixion victims also getting a uh, true proper burial per the Hebrew rites. However, none of them have the lashes. None of them have the, the uh, spear cuts into the ribs. None of them have the crown of thorns. None of them have the blood, the pollen, the dirt, the everything that concludes of who and what this thing was for. So there is some light historical precedent but not like this. I, I want to bring up another another talking point as far as this goes, because Jesus has always been to be, depicted as uh, getting the nails through his hands. Right. And what this shroud really shows right here is if you zoom in where the hands and the wrists are, you'll be able to see that there's actually a light, uh, like a splotch on his wrist. And that's said because back in the day, whenever they, I, I don't know how long they were doing crucifixes. But scroll up to the uh, actual, that negative is brighter. But if you go up, that wrist mark is darker. Oh, on the, on the oh, there. Yeah, there. Yeah, there the nail. And Sorry, so, I can't zoom in anymore. So. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. Well, what the story is, is that I guess they originally were poking the, the, um, the nails through the hands, through the hands whenever they did crucifixion, but they found that the people weren't the body weight was too heavy and yeah. what the nail what what was happening is is that the nail was slipping right through the hands yes. and so then they started puncturing it through the wrist that way it would catch you if it's just dead body weight right yeah. and so true. i found that to be like holy shit and fascinating also historically correct the romans did do that method for a while they did the hands and then they had to start using ropes to tie around the wrist because of the hands and they were like wait 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 there's a better way 
they had it down to a science for sure. They really did. They so, really did. So mm-hmm. the conclusion of this whole thing is either A, there is somebody out there who is like Dexter style like crazy as far as being able to map this whole thing out and making it to where nobody could ever possibly recreate it, who would never, nobody would ever find out nobody. Right. There's that guy who is like fucking covered his tracks all the way to be able to like forge this crazy thing or, or maybe, maybe Mm -hmm. this was Jesus and it really is the real shit. You know what's going to blow your mind later is the fact that when you do this exact same deep dive on everything about the Bible, you're going to come to the same conclusion. It's crazy. All the historical precedents, all the actual artifactual precedents, all these things can be verified today. It's wild. Oh, for sure. For sure. Now, just because I believe that that was the real guy doesn't necessarily mean that I believe the whole story. Okay. All the prophecies that led to him coming here that were true, historically precedent, all the stuff. Sure. That, that's just those hypothetical. Are, those are cute. Coincidences that we don't those believe. Are cute. Those are cute. <laughs> those are cute. <laughs> Thousands of prophecies. Right, right. I mean, who knows? Maybe I can't, we do. I can't that's tell the whole you, thing. I can't tell you where I'm going to be and where my mindset is going to be 20, 30 years from now. But I know that last year you didn't believe that Jesus was an actual dude that walked the earth, and now you do. Oh, that's he's getting there. He's getting there. Slowly but surely. But again, I want to come on your show to do the Eucharistic miracles. I'm going to blow your mind. You Would definitely you like should. To? Because honestly, <laughs> I have done that my own deep wild, dive man. on this. And every single time that a Catholic goes and does, they celebrate a mass and they take the Eucharist. If you were to take a stool sample of them the next day, they did not ingest or digest any human material. So that becoming the actual physical body of Christ couldn't have been unless they are moonlighting as cannibals in some other way. That, but that's, it's a spiritual food. So it becomes spiritual flesh, not actual flesh. You'll that's see. not very Catholic of you. You'll see. You'll see. Oh, I'm so stoked for that. <laughs> oh, I'm down. We got to schedule that when we get off of here. Oh, no. man. Guys, that was, like, mind-blowing. Like, that's an overwhelming yeah. amount of evidence. I don't know how you feel about it, NY, because I feel like you're more skeptical about the shroud than me. Oh, it just sounds that- like it was like a photograph made of Jesus onto it. <laughs> so well, you know, you're talking your, about the the, the flash changed? of lightning. No, no, I'm just saying it makes sense that maybe somehow, like, uh, someone's uh, body, maybe through even with the light, uh, ended up, you know, imp- impressing into the, the fabric. You know, when you're talking nope. about that ridiculous amount of light, I mean. Who knows what tearing yeah. through the fabric of time and space looks like in our physical world on Earth? Mm. Right? No, I find I think this is really. I mean, I do find it interesting. I don't discredit well, it at all. <laughs> and and who's to say what the soul leaving the body actually looks like, mm. right? I mean, well, I like, often joke about riding the lightning as a as a joke, saying that that's what uh, like magic is. And you know, when you said that, I was like, well, you know, there you go. Well, that's I was what like, I'm saying, dude. It's like, and uh, when you said he didn't get rigor mortis, I'm like, well, this guy just had a magical experience. That's why he didn't die. Right, right. And so, I mean, and we know this too, because I mean, and I don't know how everybody feels about this, but from what I believe and what I've always been told is that, you know, whenever a dead body is laying on the, or whenever a body is laying on a table, like a tabled scale, um, the body literally lays, weighs less whenever mm-hmm. the soul leaves the body. So who's to say that there wouldn't leave an imprint if you were to lay a fucking sheet on top of it? That's what now I was getting at. If there's a flash of light because of that, I could totally see that that's exactly how the shroud was made, maybe. It's almost like right. photographic. It wasn't just the soul. His body went up with it. Yeah, that's like, yeah, crazy. whatever. Yeah. So it's like photographic almost. 
It's pretty wild. Yeah, that is really wild. So yeah, man, that was a fun one for us to go down. And oh. uh, I love talking about it because it hits on history. It hits on the Bible. It hits on uh, conspiracies. It hits on the Catholic church. Like, yo, this is <laughs> layers and layers of like, yo, when he told me he wanted to do an episode on that, I'm like, what? Oh all right. Let's go. I also want to give, give, you know, the little caveat that I am not by any means like a historical genius on this stuff. There are people that go to school, they study this shit for a year or two, and they, st- they still don't stumble across every single factual piece of evidence as far as this goes. I'm just, I'm just a conspiracy podcaster, dude. No doubt. You know? Um, you're a good nothing. researcher, though. That's yeah, that the was thing. Really, it's just you're, curi- you're curious, and you have an open mind, and you're going to find the information, you know? I hey, do hate how people throw shade at us because we're not doing our research. Like, dude, I am not, like, a professor in the archaeology department at Columbia U. Like, what do you expect from me, bro? Right. <laughs> like, I'm, I can only do what I can do, man. It's hard, dude. It's hard. It's hard studying, and, and it's it's one thing to like listen to somebody talk. It's another thing to like actually take it and put it into your own words and try and be able to calculate exactly how the words are going to come out of your mouth and calculate. Like I'm somebody, I got ADD like crazy. So I got to listen to something like five times before I even get it once. Dude, same. You know? same. Um, so yeah, I mean, but there, just anybody that's interested in this, um, there's actually what I was, I, I would suggest if you want to learn a little bit more, there's a priest on YouTube. I can't remember the name of the act. Actually, I might be able to pull it up. I think I know what you're talking about. Is it pints with Aquinas? Yes. 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 Okay. So That's I was that. watching it before we went on tonight and I had saved it in my like, you know, watch later on YouTube months ago and I never got around to it. And then I, quickly was like, well, I should probably brush up on what the shroud is before we record. Right. That's, yeah. the, that's what I came across. So I actually have it open. Yeah. It's a uh, father, Andrew Dalton. He's the one yes. that's, you know, kind of telling the whole story and all the scientific evidence behind it. If you want to learn more, it's literally three hours long. There's yeah. another one also by Metatron on YouTube. He does a lot of historical things. He talks a lot about the medieval ages. However, he did do a, I think it was like 35 minute ordeal over the Shroud of Turin where he gives the TLDR, breaks down the science of it, does not talk about the spirituality, doesn't talk about the religion. He brings up the religious belief behind it in the very beginning just to get that out the way. Then he breaks down every single step of the conjecture of what the the argument is and what the actual facts are. So I'm going to check this one out because I've never heard of this guy but yeah i want to give all the props for the good shit you know? oh dude that guy that father andrew dalton like you're gonna be listening to it you're gonna be like my god this guy knows his shit it's like, probably yeah. insane receipts on receipts all day long all like, day yeah it's yeah. crazy That's legit. I'll, uh, I'll put the links to both of those um in the episode description like when we drop it so people can just you know click real Ooh, easy sweet all right. Well, a lot of fun. Thank you. This was oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah, I really. And why? Do you have any questions before we let these gentlemen go? No, I thought that was a solid episode. It was, <laughs> it was actually like a lot of information and a lot of laughs. That was really good. Yeah. Thank no, you. I really appreciated how you presented it. Is you know very approachable because not probably not a lot of people are going to go listen to the three hour version from Father right. Dalton. Or, you know, so I think you know it's super approachable and easy for people to grasp, and hopefully you know they learn something. By listening to this and uh yeah thank you guys so much can you uh tell people where they can find you if they want to hear more of you 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So we are on all podcast stations everywhere. The Cult of Conspiracy podcast. You can check us out, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're everywhere. Um, if you would like to see video of us, unfortunately, uh, we have been booted off of YouTube about 2017 times. Hard. And uh, it's been a lot. And so we don't mess with YouTube. So we found a a player where uh, all the YouTube degenerates are welcome. And that just so happens to be Rockfin. So if you want to come check us out on Rockfin, it's rockfin.com slash cult of conspiracy. Um, and we're also on Patreon. We have several tiers. Um, if you become a, the, the highest tier, which is the third eye all the way opened here, um, <laughs> then you will, then you'll see not only all of our shows, but you'll see all the after shows, um, if we if we have an after show, sometimes we'll shoot the shit about the episode for another 15, 20 minutes. It's always a fun time. Um, also, if you are a subscriber on Patreon or Rockfin, you'll be able to see our one extra episode per week. Currently on the podcast station, we we put out three episodes a week. If you if you find yourself like, yo, there's, that's only three. There's seven days in a week. Well, you can find an extra fourth. You go to Rockfin or Patreon. We have an extra episode per week. And also once a month, we uh, we go live on Patreon uh, if you are a third eye all the way open cult member out there, then you'll be able to tune in and you'll be able to talk to us like literally like right here, just how we are right now. You can ask us literally anything and we'll be able to answer it to the best of our knowledge. Amazing. Thank you so, so much guys. And why thank you as always for, uh, joining me on these wonderful conversations. Yeah. Yeah. It's just fun. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, check out NY's other shows, obviously. And Jacob and Jonathan, thank you so much. And everybody else, we'll see you in the next one.